1: Welcome in to The Bruce Hooley Show. I'm Jack Windsor, Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Press Network. It's Thursday already, uh, the 16th of November. Thank you for listening. I am joined in studio today by GOP strategist Bob Clegg. Bob Clegg, good morning. How are you, sir? Hey, Jack, how are you? I'm super fantastic, man. Uh, Thank you for being here today. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, we're going to go to the phone line in just a moment and welcome in an expert on international affairs to talk about Israel v. Hamas and Ukraine v. Russia. But I want to get your 30-second snapshot take on both of those uh, issues right now.
2: Well, uh, Jack, I am a staunch, staunch, staunch supporter of Israel. And I think they need to be doing whatever they need to do to protect their people and protect their state of Israel. And if that means wiping out Hamas, wipe them out. Uh, as far as Ukraine, you know, I, you know, I, right now I feel like we're in a stalemate. And I just don't know where this, how this, where this ends. And uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I feel for the – Ukraine's and, uh, you know, I just don't know where it's going to go.
1: Yeah, I I don't think you're alone in that. Uh, And and that's a good segue into our guest. He is uh, Dr. Glenn Dewar. Is he on the line yet? No, he's not here. Okay, then we're going to we're going to hold off on that. Uh, Last night, uh, the continuing resolution that was passed by the Senate did not contain aid for Ukraine. It did not contain aid for Israel. And I'm starting to see – I think J.D. Vance tweeted it. Uh, there was an article that came out that the posture seems to be shifting a little bit yeah. uh, toward Ukraine from, hey, we need to be in a long protracted war and, and obliterate Russia to we need to start peace talks. Yeah. So I'm just – I'm curious it, your your take on as lawmakers go – Away for Thanksgiving and then come back and start talking about Ukraine funding and Israel funding. Uh, what do you think we're going to see out of uh, Capitol Hill?
2: Well, I think that right now they're trying. The uh, President Biden and the Democrats are trying to save face, and they don't want to. I mean, let's face it. Right now, the urgent need is Israel, not Ukraine, and uh, we need to go forward with that. But they don't want to. They don't want to do any just. Uh, Israel funding because it looks like they backed down. And, you know, in politics, it's all about perception. So all they care about is the fact that we don't want to look like we retreated on this, even though they're hurting Israel by still saying we
1: have to have both of them together. I think one of the things that has been extremely disgusting, or two things have been extremely disgusting to me. It's the idea that people in the press have latched onto, and I think that uh, the Biden administration maybe not directly but have indirectly said you know you have to have kind of an equal response to the terrorism and i kind of go and i've said this on air before so so where do the where do the israelis go which concert do they drop in on from the air and the sea and the land and which which women do they rape and drag through the streets which kids do they kidnap uh where does that type of nonsense come from
2: uh they are trying to be politically correct. I mean, it's that kind of wokeism. Um, but you know what th- that is leading to right now? We have rampant and obvious anti-Semitism that's going on right now. It's almost like um, this this whole war has given somehow the uh, these anti-Semites that have always been around. It's given them like uh, we can be open about it now. I mean, I just don't understand all this.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, there's there's a lot here that we could unpack, and I, I want to hit that wokeism thing in a minute because I talked last week and earlier this week uh, about some investigations that we've done, the Heritage Foundation has done. And what they've uncovered is that the same activists that were in Ferguson, Missouri, uh, that were in our streets in 2020 are essentially tied to these anti-Israeli activists, and guess who they're funded by? The global Marxists, the George Soros of the world, the Hans-Jörg Visses of the world who, oh, did you know this? These are the guys who also put money in dark money groups that invested heavily in the last two elections we've had in Ohio. So the world that we are in right now, there is absolutely a global scuffle. And I don't think people yet recognize who the bad actors are yeah. and how they're showing up.
2: But. Well, it, it's ironic, Jack, in that the the Democrats always talk about uh, foreign election interference, supposedly <laughs> helping the Republicans, and they are they are just they have so much out of country funding in all of their different groups and their candidates. Look at all those DAs that have been voted in because of George Soros money, and it's. Uh,
1: hypocrites. Well, I, I haven't done you know the receipt checking on it, but I my guess would be the the prosecutor or the DA involved in the Trump case, the Trump alleged fraud case, probably is a is a George oh, Soros yeah. surrogate, yeah. Let,
2: Letitia, Letitia James? James. Yeah, oh, I'm sure she is. And remember, she campaigned on the whole idea that she would take Donald Trump to court and get him convicted. So it's all obvious
1: and. and As the dystopian novel page gets turned, you see here's a judge who has publicly gone against Donald Trump, who, according to my last report that I've read, has not yet recused himself from this case.
2: Well, and they've asked for – yesterday the Trump attorneys asked for a mistrial, which that judge will not grant. So their only hope is to go forward, and they have to do that because they are going to take it on appeal. And hopefully there will be some kind of judge on appeal that will actually see what what's going on.
1: I don't know what appellate court number that is, but we'll have to look at, you know, what system that court is in, what district. Well, unfortunately,
2: and, it's all, you know, it's all, all blue. And yeah, it's all if it's the state of New York, it's all blue. But even on the federal bench, there's so many Obama uh, appointees and Clinton appointees still there that.
1: Let me ask you this. You talked about this anti-Semitism that is like bubbling to the surface. I I can't believe – I'm sorry, Jack, but I can't
2: believe how it's become normalized. It's just become normalized to be anti-Semitic. What has happened to us?
1: Well, here's a crazy parallel that I'll make, and, and we'll take this bridge over to my next question. I remember being in the Ohio Press Corps At a time when there was a state senator whose wife was on social media, and she made a comment about then uh, director of health, Dr. Amy Acton, and essentially compared her comments about getting back to normal life and having immunity certificates to Nazi Germany. And the press went apoplectic. Governor DeWine used the bully pulpit, if you will, to to basically point down at that lawmaker and say – You know, this this is, you know, we take the Holocaust seriously and and they were almost treating her like she was an anti-Semite. Yeah. Now we have college kids literally out saying from the river to the The sea, sea. that's not saving babies, Bob. no, No, that's obliterating an entire race
2: jack you know there are always different standards for republicans versus democrats and uh that's a perfect example of it i mean right now we have in universities we have professors we have students who are obviously anti-semitic and they are proud of it i mean that's how bad it's gotten i mean this is i remember when i was a kid i asked my parents how did you guys allow that whole Holocaust thing to happen? Because we had learned about it in school. And um, they, they got a little mad at me. It's like, well, you know, we were over here. We didn't know it, what was going on, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm sitting here today questioning myself. How are we letting this happen? We are allowing people to be
1: obviously anti-Semitic. And we're accepting it and we're normalizing it. Never again was the mantra. And it's, it's been less than 100 years. Yes. I, I, I say it this way. There's an old scripture, and, uh, and I can't quote it, and I apologize, but it talks about the wheat and the tare and, and essentially the wheat and the chaff. But there is a point at which it all becomes so interwoven that it's all kind of useless. I genuinely believe that people have been swallowing the poisonous, progressive propaganda pill, the blue pill. For so long, I'm not surprised. I mean, these kids who are protesting were were taught in high school and middle school and elementary school by teachers who went to these same institutions where we have global Marxist ideology. And, yeah. and if you can't look out at the landscape right now and see that the investment in a college education is something that every American should be questioning right yeah. now. I mean, seriously, how do you justify the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're going to spend to send your kid to what? An indoctrination camp? Yeah. Can? That's what
2: it turns out to be. The other side of that, which is really, really scary, is the TikTok social yeah. media side of things. 30 seconds here. Keep okay. going. Okay. Well, TikTok is China controlled. Yep. And they're showing all of these. It's like 10, 12 to 1 uh, Palestinian uh, support th- uh, postings
1: versus Israel support. Well, and I, I will. Tip the cap to Chris Christie. I think that's the one thing he said that was right. Maybe he said two things at the last debate. <laughs> one was they're stealing your information, but number yep. two, they're seeding the minds yep. of our children. Hey, uh, stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer, the Bruce Hooley Show, Jack Windsor, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, joined in studio by GOP strategist Bob Clegg. Uh, we're going to talk turkey more on the other side of this break. boy if you could be a fly on the wall during the commercial <laughs> breaks it, it just we just we solved every economic and political crisis in the state of Ohio and uh, worldwide I'm joined in studio by GOP strategist uh, Bob Clegg and we were chewing the fat on a lot of stuff issue one the US Senate race uh, and just uh, where you go from here but before we get into that we'll we'll share a little bit of what we talked about. Let's start with this US Senate race. Uh Sure. How do you how do you how do you handicap it? The overall makeup of the US Senate after 24 given uh, what what Mansion is is now going to do.
2: Well, I mean, I think we basically have a 50-50 Senate right now even before the first vote is cast yep. in 2024. Um So the question, there's two questions there. Uh, Number one, we can get control by just um, making sure that Donald Trump and whoever his vice president is gets elected because the vice president would then, yeah, tiebreaker. The other way of obviously is not have to rely on that and just make sure we can um, elect an additional Republican senator. And obviously, if you're looking at the states that where that may be possible, Ohio's at Pretty much the top of that list.
1: Do you think that Sherrod Brown is the most vulnerable Democrat running for reelection to Senate?
2: Now, Jack, you know, I'm prejudiced in that because I am the only campaign manager in the state of Ohio that has ever beaten uh, uh, Sherrod Brown. You
1: know, tell us that. <laughs> and I know you tell know us that. that. But yeah, but tell our listeners that story because well, I think it's it goes back.
2: It goes back a long time, you know, which you know ages me. But uh, yeah, back in 1990, I was campaign manager for Bob Taft when he ran against um, Sherrod, and Sherrod at that point was a two two term sec- Secretary of State, right? Uh, so we didn't uh, we didn't have term limits then. So uh, that was actually two years before term limits were voted in. So. He was going for his third term, and it, it, back then it was important because we had the reapportionment board, which was made up of the governor, auditor, and secretary of state, and then uh, one Democrat, one Republican, and we had never controlled that, believe it or not, as Republicans. It started in 1970, and, it, and both in the 70s and the 80s, Democrats controlled. So uh, that race is really important, and um, we ended up winning and controlling, and we drew, new, we drew fair lines we drew new lines and we got control of the Ohio Ohio house for the first time in over 20 years.
1: So looking at this race, then Sherrod Brown versus whatever candidate wins the GOP primary yeah. Sherrod in 2018, uh, which is when Mike DeWine was elected to his first yes. term as governor actually had more votes than any candidate in that election. I believe, I think things have changed a lot since 2018, uh, so let's talk about his vulnerability, and then we'll kind of roll into, is it Matt Dolan? Okay. Is it Frank LaRose? Is it Bernie Marino? Who do you think wins? Who do you think has the better chance of beating Sherrod? But let's start with Sherrod. Uh, how vulnerable is he right now?
2: Well, not only has have things changed since 2018, things have changed since the first time he was elected 50 years ago in the <laughs> 1970s, okay? So, um, I mean, that tells you something you know he's your old school uh politician who's always been at the government trough to make a living uh, you know, he had two years where he didn't you know after we beat him in ninety in ninety one and ninety two he became a consultant for school districts that had school levies on the ballot. And I don't think he made much more than 20, 30,000 a year.
1: If that he's, and, he's a demagogue. Yeah. He's I mean, he does it. Yeah. Tub thumps and says, chaos, chaos, elect me. Give me a little more money. Just chip in and we'll go fix the problem in either Columbus or Washington.
2: Yeah. It's going to be interesting next year because, um, and we can get into this uh, more about issue one and, and the effect of abortion on, on, on politics in general. But in 2022, you saw where you had one Democrat running statewide that made abortion an issue. You had the other Democrat running statewide that never talked about abortion. So
1: Nan Whaley. Nan Whaley. Mike DeWine.
2: Mike DeWine. Nan made it a big issue because Mike had signed that you know heartbeat bill. Yep. So there was a big contrast there. Now, Tim Ryan running against J.D. Vance never talked about abortion, ever. Now, they both lost. Nan lost by 25 points. Uh, you know, Tim were lost by six. Mm-hmm. So, but he spent a boatload. No, oh of money. yeah, JD got outspent three to one, I think. Yep. So, um, you know, if nothing else, it tells you you can't look like you're too much in that abortion world if you're going to be running statewide. I don't care what happened, you know, with issue one. People are not there when it talk when you're talking about abortions until the moment of birth. And um, it'll be interesting to see how Sherrod will handle that because the mainstream media is out there right now saying, oh, look at Ohio. That means abortion. If you talk about abortion, you're going to do great. Mm, I don't think so. Well, and the problem with all that is abortion is probably number six on the list of people's uh, priorities on issues. If you're if, if if abortion is really an issue to you, that means you're either. A big, strong, strong abortion person or pro-abortion person or you're strongly pro-life. And let me tell you, if you're strongly pro-abortion, you're voting Democrat already. And if you're strongly pro-life, you're voting Republican already. So, I mean, it it doesn't affect the election. And I wonder if if Sherrod will be smart
1: enough to figure that out. I wonder. So that's interesting. What I think I'm hearing is uh, when we've got about a minute and a half here. About it's the middle ground voter that's going to determine, well, if we're talking about a state senator and it's a statewide race, uh, abortion might be fifth or sixth on the list. Uh, paying my, you know, electric bill, filling up your gas tanks, filling up my gas tank. Yeah. Those types of things are going to matter. And I think I think Sherrod is in trouble there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Big time. And and the fact that Joe Biden's going to be on the ballot. That's going to cause them all kinds of problems.
1: Well, and I think it's one of those cases where, you know, you do what J.D. Vance did to Tim Ryan. You just hold up the record and go, this is the guy that you're going to vote for. I mean, Sherrod Brown votes with Joe Biden almost all the time. Ninety nine percent. So so there you go. Yeah. You want more time to do what? Vote differently. And so then if you're not going to run on a platform to vote against Joe Biden. So he's got, I think, a lot to figure out. Here's my quick question, 30 seconds. Okay. If I am Donald Trump, if I'm Vivek Ramaswamy, if I'm Ron DeSantis, if I'm Nikki Haley or Chris Christie, my answer to the abortion question is uh, the Supreme Court said it's a state's rights issue. Next question.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's what we fought for for 50 years. Make it a state
1: issue. Well, I think that's the safe play. But I think that there are people who would be repulsed and angered by that. But I've always argued when they go into the voting booth – they might be a little bit perturbed, but if it's Donald Trump or Joe Biden, they're not pulling the lever for Joe Biden. The alternative is so much worse, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, so thank you for tuning in to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Jack Windsor here, editor-in-chief of the Ohio Press Network, joined in studio by Bob Clegg. He's a GOP strategist, and uh, we're talking turkey. Stay tuned. We might talk some issue one
0: next on The Bruce Woolley Show.